Welcome everyone to episode 300 of Merge Conflict, your weekly developer podcast. I am one of your hosts, James Montemagno, and with me every single week right here, live in person because we're streaming this live, Mr. Frank Kruger. How's it going, buddy? Hello, James. You know, we, we used to do this thing where we would chat with each other with video and when we first started the podcast. And I guess I don't know why we did it because it's totally awkward. I don't I, I don't know if I can stand seeing your reactions to my terrible jokes. You can always, you know, minimize the tab, I guess, and just completely ignore me. That's another thing. That's great. No, I'll, I'll forget to look at the camera then. <laughs> well, we're really excited because we don't stream that often. Our podcast, you know, our podcast is available at mergeconflict.fm in your podcast app overall. <laughs> this is 300 episodes. We want to do something special. Uh, every 10th episode, we do lightning topics. And today is, is going to be the same, but we have a few listener videos that they also sent in too, Frank. Can you believe it? We've only been begging for a month and we got two. We got two. <laughs> well, you, it, it, it's tricky because almost by definition, podcast listeners like to listen and not maybe talk. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, we appreciate everyone for uh, at least um, dealing with our commercials and requests. And I can't wait to get to the two because we are going to do a clip show. We wanted to do a clip show and two counts. We're doing a clip show. <laughs> it's true. And I haven't even watched the clips and we'll just play them back. And we'll see what ends up happening. And my mom's here. Hey, mom. Bum, 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 it's bum, react. Bum, bum. Um, yeah. And that's Frank that's, and James react to their audience. <laughs> James and Frank react to their audience. That is correct. Um, it's what it's kind of what we do. We either react to, you know, our lives or to our listeners' lives in a way, too, because there's always topics that are top of our mind or top of um, our listeners' minds. And, you know, we're, we're here to try to solve that as well. So, yeah, I'm loving the chat as well. You know, if, if we want to do these more often, we're only game for them, even though Frank is like, nah, this is terrible. And I love your setup, by the way. I haven't been watching you on Twitch, but I got to say you got you got plants, you got greeneries, you got blinking eyes back there, you got a 3D hologram thing. Um, if you're watching yeah. this on demand later, I will put a link to the live stream. You should just tune in just to at least see Frank's background. It's very, very cool. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure this is going to be great on the podcast part of this podcast. But yeah, I, I've done a little bit of set dressing for my Twitch show, but mostly just so I'm not embarrassed every time I look at the camera because I'd go watch some of my old videos. I'm like, oh, geez, oh, should have done some cleaning first. So thank you. I appreciate it, James. And these are mostly just past projects from the Twitch show. So I'm just trying to stack them up as we go. I like that. It's sort of your actual projects your your side projects your live streams your your what you're doing for the people actually is a reality in your office mm -hmm. which is kind of amazing so things coming to life live and then staying alive which is also very impressive frank compliments to you though you are representing youtube very well with your hexagons so they look great <laughs> thanks yes spent way too much money on them and i got some greenery over there behind this chair look at that there's a plant there's the a pachinko machine there's a, a monkey there's a little thing there's a ddr pad over here you know I, I do what i can for the people so i don't think you're playing the ddr pad though if it's always on the wall uh that is correct yeah i mean i have the setup i bought the games i have played i think the problem is it it it's a little bit too loud if i want to play at night you know what i mean and and uh, heather is off sleeping or she's like i just say i don't want to watch you play ddr i want to watch myself <laughs> play ddr but no one else wants to watch me so um and there's no arcades close by that i'm like in walking distance that i could go ddr it up so back in my day 
I used to DDR all day. But Frank, we're not here to talk about me DDRing, um, are we? No, no, well, no. That would be incredibly embarrassing for myself personally. I think we're here to talk about our ridiculously long hair, and I haven't seen you in a while, and your hair is yeah. also. It's almost Break past it the complete here. awkward phase. Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess so. It's it's in the shedding in the shower phase, which is really wonderful. I'm like, oh yeah, long hair is not wonderful. Ooh, may I highly recommend to you and every listener that has hair, uh, <laughs> in general, um, the 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 this thing is called the tub shroom. There's also a shower shroom and there's a sink mm -hmm. shroom. This is a game changer, okay? Because Ooh, like you, this. Frank. As you wash your hair, sure enough, hair goes in the drain. And what does it do? Clog the drain, Frank. It's just mm. going to happen. So I, after, I guess, almost a year, things started to slow down as far as the water draining. And that concerned me. So I went and I got a, a, a snake. <laughs> yeah. And that was big ones. Industrial snake. Uh, mm -hmm. no, no, I didn't do the industrial. I just did like the plastic one that was like $5. So who knows what's left down there, but I did put it in there and out came basically. I'm like, how did, how would I don't, I have to talk to Heather. Cause she knows, she understands how long hair works, but I'm just like, how does all the hair be in the drain and on my head at the same time? It doesn't make any gravity. logistical sense. It's just gravity. I, I blame gravity for everything. I, I like at 300 episodes, we finally flipped and we're just going to talk about home improvement and <laughs> dealing with things like that. Yeah. Well, the shrub shroom, the shrub, the tub shroom, the shower shroom, the sink shroom, the thing all about it that's quite amazing is that you put this little ingenious thing into the tub and you replace, you replace your, your, your stopper mm -hmm. and it goes in and it catches all the hair, all the hair. And you do have to clean this out every few weeks or so, but it catches all the hair. It's amazing. It's the best investment I've ever made in my life. Um, okay. In in a get in, in an as seen on I TV gasmo. Yeah, it feels like something you'd see in a locker room all sun. But sure, I'm gonna go for it. I like see, locker room equipment. Let me see if I can. Okay, I'm gonna pull up an image here, people live. Okay, here it is. This is the one I have. Oh, this is going to Amazon. Perfect. Okay, this is the tub shroom all right i'm going to switch to the, share this tab Ooh, check this out live technology people everyone. oh look okay at this okay okay well it's not loading but there it is see that this on the left that is going to get all of it's going to get it look at it Ooh, gross that's what it does but imagine more hair than that that person you know is there. so for the podcast listeners imagine the grossest little thing covered in hair you've ever seen but at the same mm -hmm. time imagine it's probably darned effective so I, i'm in you sold me tub shroom. I have the ultra ultra, the ultra. platinum bundle. <laughs> Anyways, that's what I have. It's amazing. It uh, is hey, a game changer. And you know what? Long hair is fun. Uh, haven't been mm, probably been two years, right? I think you said two years, but no, I can't even say that because I buzzed off all my hair at one point during the COVID. I got sick of it, but hair, it just keeps growing. So here we are back to COVID hair. It truly does. It truly does. Um, all right. Well, we got lightning topics, Frank, and we got people in the chat. Um, people are enjoying this. Uh, yes, Michael. Michael says in the chat, the light switches, which I love. I love my switch bot, not a sponsor of this podcast, but the switch bot game changer. 
like it turns on and on off my lights on the house at random intervals, all by Bluetooth. It's amazing. And they also made a humidifier, which has sensors in it. So it can automatically turn on and off the humidifier based on the humidity in the room. Frank, game changer. I love IoT devices. So. Well, that, that's finally actually a smart device. I think we've had the manual I, IoT devices for too long now, like yeah. tell your lights what to do. I want my lights to just know what to do. Yeah, yes. the humidity is a bit high. Of course, you should turn the dehumidifier on. But yeah. doesn't every furnace do that? I thought you lived in a real house. Uh, I do. We we do have the HVAC system does have a built-in humidifier. I guess not a dehumidifier because that would be different, but it does have a humidifier. And I I assume it works, but I don't know. It's hard to say. Okay. It's hard Fine. to say. So this is yeah. better. I'm excited. Yes. What else do we have in the home improvement department? That's all I got. That's Aww. all I got. I think we're ready for some real. I'm, I'm going in, and I don't even see. I'm, I can start things. Fascinating. There is um, a dearth of indoor plant selection at your big box stores right now, mm-hmm. just because of supply chain. I guess the plants were affected by supply chain also. Yes. So add that to Frank's conspiracy theories. <laughs> I watched an entire YouTube video recently on supply chain of plants. And additionally, you know, you can save those plants from your local big box store because they are sad. Many, many plants. Mm-hmm. I think it's like it's very happy now. I'm making I, it happy. I think it's like seven out of 10 plants will die. I think it's two out of 10 will like die before they even get there. And then in the store, two more will die. And then at home, the majority of them will die because we all know that we are terrible at taking care of plants. And yet we want these beautiful green plants. This plant. Fake. I'm all about the fake. Oh, plants. Fake plants. yeah. We do have real plants, but they're, I'm not going to say they're in the greatest of shapes. So, um, well, I do want to make a shout out to everyone that is joining us live. Yes. Michael, Lachlan, Ivan, Andrew, Tim, um, Antonium, Damien, Rex, my mom. Who else is in here? Kyle, Alex Blount, Steven. Who else is in here? This uh, is fun. I love uh, chat rooms. Everyone Philip. from around the world, too. That's I love fantastic. it. Thank you so much. Yeah, from around the world, good vibes. I love this. Look, I can even hi- I can highlight these people. Oh, oh my goodness! Producing. Wow. There we go. I am producing in real time. <laughs> Frank, before we get into some lightning topics, do you want to have a? Do you want to start with mystery lightning Ooh. topics, or do you want? Well, I have a follow. Can I do a quick follow up? Follow up with Frank. Episode? Okay, hit uh, us. Copyright 2011. Ooh. John Syracuse. Please hold. Please hold here. Check this out. Ready? And. Oh. For people that are watching or watching, they have, and if you're tuning in, I just added a new guest to the stream, my stream timer, counting up on Frank's five minutes of lightning topics. Look at that. It's amazing. I don't think I need five minutes here. I just wanted to correct myself Ooh. because I was listening to last week's, today's episode, however you want to think of it. And I kept saying, write only databases. And you just let me keep saying it like 8 million thousand times. And th- th- those words don't make any sense. What's a write-only database? That doesn't make any sense. I meant to be saying append-only databases, where you only add to it. You never overwrite things. You never destroy data. You don't delete data. You don't update data. You can only add to it like via transactions. And so you don't need to just be appending transactions on top of it. And something like that is a lot like blockchain. Whether, whether you like it or not. So that was my quick addenda. What do you think of that? How, how did you let me get away with saying write only like a thousand times? Um, 
because you know I don't know anything about I don't know anything about databases, Frank. That's the problem. <laughs> Does append only make more sense? Yes, append append only makes way more sense. Well, there yeah. there are write only databases, but I guess then there's no update. But it's always append. Yeah, I guess that makes way more sense. Yeah, exactly. Of course, you can still read from the database. It's very oh. important to be able to read from databases. <laughs> I only prefer to write to databases and then just. Now here's here's a fun fact. Actually, my app, which also starts with my my cadence. There's a mode, Frank, and this is maybe why I got caught off. There's a mode that is write-only. Do you know this? Oh, that's scary. I, I, but I think we talked about it on the episode before, and I'm trying to remember because, you know, it's kind of a joke in the electrical engineering world that we, like, it's easy to create write-only memory and that kind of stuff. And so I, I find it funny that you actually found a practical use of it, and I'm just racking my brain, but I can't remember. What was it? So what I do is if you just install the application, you don't give me any money, which is what the vast majority of people do. They don't give me any money, and that's good. I don't, I don't you know, my time's worth some money. So you know, if you want a pro upgrade, you can upgrade for a dollar or two. Uh, but if you don't upgrade to pro and you ride, I, I write all of those things to the database. I don't ever read. I only write uh -huh. data and that is it. But, but eventually read if they give you money, right? If and you then get, you'll yeah, read. <laughs> yeah, cuz then it's like, you know, that transaction into the database, that one's good. Yeah. That one costs money every time. That reading, writing's free. Yeah. Reading. That's when they get you. I was actually thinking about pulling your trick there in an app. I'm working on a 3D scanning app, so you do like a bunch of lidar scans and then it turns it into a mesh. But um for like the free version, I'm thinking like I'm not going to let you do have like a history of ones. You can only have like one file open at a time kind of thing. Mm. And so I was thinking like, but I would still store the data for your old projects. So if you ever did upgrade, your data is actually sitting there. But at the same time, it's a, it's, it's a few megabytes. <laughs> it's, it's quite a few megabytes, let's say 100 megabytes. So I don't know if that's fair to the user if I'm not displaying the list, if it's fair to have all that data there. So uh, sometimes it's worth deleting data, maybe. I don't know. Got it. I think so. I think it's worth it on occasion. So um, I did. I, I was also remiss to not mention um, smart contracts and uh, the blockchain for all of this, because I do like the concept mm -hmm. of smart contracts. What I don't like is the security model behind them, where everyone has to do this obnoxious burn down the universe and electricity kind of thing to prove uh, to prove their access rights. If you just have basic access rights, like any old database normally does, you know, this user's allowed to do this, that user's allowed to do that. But take the idea of an append-only database, that is, everything is recorded in a transaction, and then you sum up all the transactions to find the current state. I still think that's a really good database design. The, the thing that you're talking about is the proof of work. The so, proof of work is the bad part. I want to throw away the proof yes. of work. What I want to keep is the Merkle trees and the yeah. way data just builds upon past data. That's the the Git model, right? Git is always yeah. a sort of an yep. append only type of situation, unless Absolutely. you, yep. you know, delete the world. Git is only append, and then there's hacks. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. You know, I did. Uh, if I can find it, uh, I'll put it into the the podcast afterwards. I, I did find this. Oh, you know, I did find this amazing. It's like it's like five hours long. This guy, it blew up the world of, of like explaining NFTs and like why they're terrible. But he does the most amazing job of explaining this stuff. It's well worth it. Even I mm -hmm. started to understand it. Like I could say those words like proof of work in smart contracts. And I kind of mm -hmm. almost understand. But he also talks about the dis distributing of 
the that proof of work concept of how many people need to be in uh, agreements, how many people like need to have the entire database, like all these, there's a lot of things going on the blockchain that I don't understand, but this video is like super duper good. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of that is the security model. So mm -hmm. I say, throw away the security model, keep that ledger because that ledger is a great idea. Yep. Yep. Okay. Let's get into it, Frank. Our very first topic. We're not going to do a mystery one, but we are going to do one from... Let me share my tab here from VJ over here, who suggests for the 300th episode, can you kind of give a state of cross-platform app development? Now, we could just list, Frank, the state of app development and multi-platform development, just each one of them. But mm -hmm. I think it'd be fun to talk about how things have changed, where things are going, our hopes and dreams for the future. How do you feel about okay. that, Frank Krueger? Sure. Uh, I don't want to speak about ones I don't use. And to be honest, I don't use that many because yeah. life is short and UI frameworks are huge and you can only memorize them so quickly. So I want to say my biggest win for me personally in the cross-platform world, and this is going to sound so small, but I like it, Mac and iOS are finally the same API. I can finally use UIKit, which I've been using for 10 or 12 or 8 billion years. And I can apply all those skills to build Mac apps too. I only make a fraction of the money I make on iOS compared on Mac. That is, I make less on Mac. <laughs> but that's how it always is with cross-platform apps. You make more money in one place and, the, and less the other. But for me, having actually one API for both of those platforms, two platforms I personally care very much about, has been the biggest win for me personally. Uh, I'm so excited about that. .NET 6 previews, they work fine if they could just decide where to put the end float data type and we could all move on with our lives. <laughs> you know, I think the thing for me about cross-platform or multi-platform development and how it's changed over the years is when I first got started, right? Even before I landed on building applications with C Sharp and .NET, as I was doing this, you know, tour, I was I was testing a phone gap at the time, Titanium at the time. Um, there must have been one or two other ones that weren't web, maybe. And then, of course, I landed on Xamarin, which made a lot of sense because I'm a C Sharp developer, so no brainer. Um, that being said. The thing that has amazed me is how good and how like really productivity, like how good the apps have been that you can build with these things, how flexible they've been to blend in different pieces of technology, either they being native UI, native APIs or hybrid web application stuff in the mix, and then just developer productivity, right? You know, in the world of .NET, we have like multiple, multiple choices. We have, you know, Xamarin and Maui, Uno, Avalonia, and the world beyond that, there's React Native, there's Flutter, there's um, still Cordova, there's Ionic, there's all these different things out there. Cordova's out there, it's a good thing. Interruption, are there yeah. .NET bindings to Flutter yet? Someone's got to get on that. <laughs> oh, no, there's not. Uh, although there have been attempts back in the day to oh, do that. Okay. I think it's a dark runtime-y type of thing. Oh, um, scary stuff, yeah. Yeah, that being said, I'm really amazed of the choice that we have as for developers. But to me, it's not just about app development, right? And this is the thing that I've been saying for 10 years. Let me put my developer advocate hat on. I've always thought about the ecosystem, the community, and all of the other things that you're going to want to do 
with your applications. Because yes, some applications are just apps, but other applications, majority of them, have adjacent websites, backend services, scaling things, authentication. And for me, obviously, as a .NET developer, I'm biased because I'm able to do all of those things in one language or multiple languages if you want to mix in some functionalness in there. To me, that's the thing that has been really amazing. And I think we've talked about that for 300 episodes, right? You've done some AI, some machine learning, uh, you know, you've built websites, you've done serverless things. Uh, we did an entire <laughs> stupid um, login system with no login, Frank, if you remember. Yes, beautiful. Uh, and I've done that all in, in, in one thing. And I think that's what's really great about .NET, obviously, and I'm super biased. I work at Microsoft and I've been a .NET developer for 15 some odd years at this point, but I love it. Uh, but in, in the space, there's just so much going on. There's so much good stuff going on that you really have a lot of choice. Yep, yep. Um, I do answer some of the questions that have scrolled by. No, I'm not personally on the Maui bandwagon yet. Still rocking the forms when I want that kind of stuff. Um, I'm sure I will be, though, because the thing that I love most about Xamarin Forms, and this is a late feature, but the like live preview kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I'll, I'll be honest, I'm going to write some iOS apps that I only release on iOS, but I'm going to use a cross-platform framework because I want me some live updates of a declarative UI, you know? So it's funny, like, it, I just, uh, even with a cross-platform framework, it's still a lot of work to support multiple platforms. We've listened to you go through your payment model thing. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's not the UI, you know, I, I like to complain about how much work UIs are because they are, and I don't think app development and UI development could, gets enough respect. But that said, the painful points in cross-platform de development aren't usually the UI layer. Once you have a decent cross-platform user interface working, it's always when you try to do the other kind of crazy stuff like you like to do, like in-app billing, which someday I will do, but I haven't yet done yet. <laughs> yeah, I always, I always talk about this. You know, these libraries being cross-platform, there's like a lot good, and there's also a lot of work. Because guess what? You're supporting a lot of platforms and yeah. sometimes you're going through abstractions and you know, libraries leaky, very <laughs> leaky abstractions. These yeah. are <laughs> or or the same point that, you know, Apple, Google, Microsoft are, are not the same company that makes the same API that can be abstracted seamlessly. So, you know, essentials or billing libraries or other third party components, we do our best, right? The community does our best. They can't give you everything. But the biggest change for me has been how open everything is, right? From not only people building apps that are open sourcing them, the libraries, um, the frameworks being open source, a lot of the tooling being open source, not only the .NET stuff, but also non.NET stuff too. That to me is cool. You can grab that implementation, make it your own. So to me, I think that is the, the really super cool stuff. Yeah. Sorry, I'm getting lost in the chat room. We have real-time follow-up. Uh, ben Rearson has a great comment. If you are actually suggesting proof of work isn't needed to secure Bitcoin, then you still don't understand it. Pretty sure I have a vague idea of how Bitcoin works. Uh, and totes, not disagreeing there. For a distributed system, you need something to create security. My argument is, if you have a single server, Security is really easy because someone has to log into that server and they have to have right access to that server. So I'm saying throw away the distributed part, but <laughs> ledgers are still a good idea. Yeah.
Well, you know, and every sort of like cross-platform mobile development or mobile development or any development is like everyone's needs are different, right? And we talk about the landscape of development that's out there and, and the platforms and the frameworks that you can use. It's so vast and everyone's use case for what you're building is different, you know? So for example, Frank building a complete IDE for the iPad is very different than me displaying a number that counts down from five. <laughs> Those are different. Those are different needs that, that I need and what Frank needs for his applications or what you might need for your application. So to me, what I love about 2022 is choice. And within that choice, having a lot of good things beyond just the framework, right? Like you were talking about with hot reload being like table stakes at this point, you know, yeah. that we're, we're as developers are getting there. Um, I don't know if you've gotten to play around with, um, co-pilot mind boggling. Do we, don't we talk about it's that on a podcast? I, I try to talk about it on every podcast. <laughs> I think it's the greatest thing ever. Um, to the point where I've tried to make my own versions of it. I thought it was so good. I want to increase the code completion quality in my IDE to be, it won't be as good as Copilot. I mean, I don't have servers. I don't have that much money. Simple as that. Um, but you know what? 10% as good as Copilot is still darned good. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty good. I mean, and just even, you know, you open up Visual Studio, you get full line completion, you get all this IntelliSense, all the refactoring, all this goodness. All right. Anyways, there's all sorts of good stuff on what I'm talking about, right? When I started to develop back in my day, Frank, there was no VS code. You know what I mean? Like there, that was the thing, you know, it's, it's like, it, it's, that's the thing that's really cool is like the tooling that we have and that people are creating, not only from big companies, but also from, you know, independent developers helping us be more successful. Yeah. It's just mind bogglingly cool. And the competition is good. It's a little annoying, like you know, there's at least four decent UI frameworks to choose from on mobile right now, even in the .NET space. And which one to use is really kind of up to you. Uh, and it's good that we have the four because they're all pushing each other to be better. That's why we have things like Hot Reload because they're all, it's a competitive market and it's good to see them compete for uh, my attention. I yeah. approve of this. I agree. All right, you ready for a mystery call-in? Oh, yes. I'm excited. First time caller. First time caller, long time listener. Clifford, we know Clifford. Clifford's been around ah, yes. all over the place. So Clifford sent us a YouTube video. I'm going to go ahead and share that now and make sure that we can hear the audio. So you have to give me a thumbs up. So you have to pay attention, Frank. Hey, James. Uh, hey, Frank. Um, I just want to say uh, great podcast. Listen to it. Uh, I think I started listening around uh, episode four and then I went back and, and listened to the previous one. So I've listened to all of them. Uh, including episode 299, I listened to that yesterday. Um, love what you do. Um, uh, for me, uh, a couple of questions. Well, firstly, a statement. Uh, firstly, you started out as merged conflicts, and the conflict was the fact you had James, who was, uh, who was Mr. Android, and uh, Frank, who was Mr. Mr. iOS and everything Apple. Um, but Frank, seems like you've won. You've merged James into your, uh, into your Apple, uh, and we'd no longer get any updates on, uh, on Android, so please bring that back uh, as an Android user and uh, as Xamarin and Maui developer it's always it was always nice to hear the the competing uh, sides of what was going on in in, uh, in what you guys see uh, i think that's missing that conflict is missing now um but as for a question um as an mvp microsoft mvp i uh, a tutor and a few people mentoring 
a few people that are coming into development. Once one wants to get into mobile development, um, it's really difficult now without having um, the, the tools like Xamarin University to, uh, to help as a path to learning. Um, so what do you both think uh, is a great way to, uh, to, uh, to help um, new developers come into the, the world of mobile development? Because uh, I can't really see much that's out there. Um, Microsoft Learn is fantastic, but there really isn't that pathway um, for new developers to come into uh, the .NET development, let alone, um, let alone uh, uh, mobile development. But all the, the intricacies around uh, mobile development and how new developers uh, learn those um, we obviously got Gerald who's uh, doing these fantastic um, YouTube series and yourself James as well um, but they assume a level of, uh, of uh, ability and knowledge of, of the platforms um, and it's that initial um, part that I'm, I'm looking to see where we could uh, uh, develop that as a, as a community maybe um, to, uh, to help young developers and new developers, maybe not young, uh, maybe someone who's, uh, who's had a career and uh, it's just starting again, but uh, new people come into, uh, into the industry uh, and learn uh, the, the tools that we know and love uh, day and day out. Um, keep up the fantastic work uh, and uh, always love hearing about your robots, uh, Frank, and uh, the, the work you do with AI. Uh, everything I know about AI, I've learned from listening to your podcast, so thank you for that. Uh, and um, and yeah, it's uh, it's a fantastic podcast, and uh, um, yeah, I'll keep listening for as long as you keep making them. Thanks a lot. Bye now. Absolutely fantastic. All right, we're going to repeat the question uh, here from Clever first. Thank Clever. You thank got you so called out, sir. You've been called out. Okay, so let's break it down here. So in case you couldn't hear, if you're here live, we'll obviously edit this a little bit so everyone can hear it uh, back organically. Uh, so Clifford first says that the conflict and merge conflict, Frank, is gone because wow. I used to be an Android user and user and Apple diehard, and I have been converted. Not only do I have yeah. an iPad on my bike, I have an iPhone SE <laughs> and I have an Apple TV where when we started the, the podcast, I had a... Nexus 7 tablet, I had an Android TV uh, set up, and I also had Android phones along the way. Well, the good news is we conflict, we conflict on many dimensions, an infinite, a, a multiverse of dimensions worth of stuff. When we came up with that name, we said, yes, we do disagree a lot. This is perfect. So I think the iOS and Android thing was just maybe our most famous of our conflicts. Mm. It's, it's an important dimension. And maybe you haven't been representing very well. I don't know. That That's a personal thing. I don't feel like I won. I'm actually a little sad to see that dimension removed because I love making fun of Android. <laughs> and um, now you agree with me when I do that. And it's, it's just not as fun. The problem that I've had, so I'll address this first, then he, then Clifford had an amazing co comment and question for us that we'll answer too is, you know, for me, we have talked a lot on the podcast of, you know, the state of app development uh, across iOS, Android, uh, at least for mobile and then desktop, Mac and Windows is our primary focus and, and Linux as well. Um, but at least on Android and iOS, they've just gotten so similar as far as feature set, it's hard to really to get super excited for things um, there. I am excited that Google I.O. is starting. That being said, you know, back on my day, you know, a decade plus ago when I started mobile development, it was constant innovation and new. And it was, it was dramatically changing how I developed apps. I think that's the important part. And there's not a lot of 
there's innovation, but there's not that is fundamentally making me change how I build my applications. I mean, even in the most recent uh, Android version that has Material U, which kind of changes your app and your colors based on your preferences and this and that, doesn't interest me. I'm just like, eh, it's all just gobbledygook, right? It's um, it's a pay to coat. And, you know, I, and I'm not saying that just for Android, I say it for iOS too, right? Like how, ex what's exciting in, in the, the newest of things, like the innovation is coming from the, the new hardware that's being put in to unlock some new capabilities in AI and machine learning and the, the camera and the vision and things like that. So that stuff excites me heavily of where things can go. But I do think, Frank, and then I'll shut up. I know that you're, ooh, you're itching so bad. I think the catalyst for me may be like some actual new form factor. I know we have some, some you know, foldables and stuff, but I want that Westworld triple tablet thingy fold out thing where it opens up and it's a cool thing. And it, and it revolutionized that I don't have to carry around three devices with me all the time. And I have this thing that can revolutionize how I work, act, you know, play and do things like this. Now, that's my thought. It won't be revolutionary. It'll be evolutionary is mm. the problem. So when I was a kid, all I wanted was a computer in my pocket because I liked computers and I liked things in my pocket because they were always with me. And for my whole life, I just kept trying to find ways to get a computer in my pocket. I bought that little personal organizers. I got a cell phone as soon as I could. I, uh, whatever, I got the, the, the terrible run of smartphones that we had before the iPhone. And I went through all those. And finally, when I had the ability to write apps for that phone, I had a million ideas. There were all these things I wanted to try because I had been waiting 20 years for this ability. And I think that applies to the entire world. When all those first came out, we didn't really know what apps to write for it. So we wrote a little bit of everything for it. Now, 10 years on, we've seen how the market works. Uh, we, we know what's popular. We know what works. We know what's worth putting our time into and what's not. There's a maturity that we've gained, uh, a loss of creativity and innocence and fervor and all that kind of stuff. That's why I'm saying I don't think you'll have a revolution again not at least for a while, because that was a revolution. Everything else, we're still just incrementing on top of it. And I think that that, that at least speaking for myself, is why I still have an iPhone 11 right now and not whatever we're up to, because yeah. that plateau just got so flat. Yeah. So we still have more conflicts, and we'll make sure that we incorporate more conflicts into our merging <laughs> Over here. I do think that, you know, Frank and I are very different people with very different things that we we like and we do. That being said, funnily enough that Clifford did write in because I've been very interested in this new Nothing phone from Nothing the Company. I think it's called Nothing. It's phone one. Mm. Very exciting about it. It seems it's an Android phone, but it looks very good. So I'm excited about that. I'm also excited about some innovation in the handheld space and a lot of things going on. So there's a lot of stuff. All right. Next thing here because we got a lot of good questions yeah. in the comments as well in the chat. But the thing that Clifford asked was the hard part, the hard the part. part, the getting started part, right? Introducing new developers into mobile development and, and .NET as well, which is half my and my team's job at Microsoft is to do this. So I hope I better have a good answer for this, but I'm not going to start because Clifford asks, it seems real difficult because there's so many platforms, so many frameworks, so many deep technical things to get started with. It's so vast. 
how do we help more people be successful and where can they go? Frank, I'm leaving it up to you. Oh, I, this is a real weak spot for me. I'm sorry, Clifford. I, I don't think I can offer really great advice or comments here because it's just not my world. I, I haven't taught kids in a long time. Mm. I haven't taught new people programming in a very, very long time. That said, it's definitely something I want to get back into. Um, I think we all want to get to teaching at some point. So it's a very relevant and pertinent question. I wish I had a great answer. Uh, James mentioned that, or I, actually Clifford, I think you mentioned that there are YouTube videos out there and the YouTube is good stuff. But James, your videos do require a certain level of knowledge to make any sense at all. Mm -hmm. um, I have been impressed with educational YouTube. During COVID, I have fallen down the YouTube rabbit hole. I have subscribed to just about every single channel there is on YouTube, especially the education ones. And I am continually impressed by the level of quality in all that work and people's engagement, a good use of that word, not the negative use of that word. You'll see, you know, 10,000 comments of people really excited to be learning that thing. So I think that that is still a good and valid medium. Beyond that, I mean, it's a little above my pay grade. I don't know how to answer, to be honest. <laughs> so to me, uh, and I appreciate that Steven in the chat says he learned Xamarin from me. I think you learned it on your own. I just got you started. Maybe, <laughs> uh, maybe Good I, th I think the thing is it has to be a multi-prong approach, right? Someone has to spark the interest and drive the awareness that, Hey, you can do this. And then there's the point, which is you need to be able to create content for all sorts of different people that learn differently hmm. because I learn differently than Frank learns, than my mom learns, than Steven learns. Yeah. And what I mean by that is that some people learn by like creating a project as they go and doing it by themselves and figuring it out. Other people want written documentation like Microsoft Learn or other adjacent products like that, which are self-guided learning where you learn different topics. Then some people want to follow along someone like a Tim Corey or a Nick Chappas or or me or so, uh, that, or some people want to watch live streams like Frank, right. And other streamers like, like C sharp Fritz, right. And all these mm -hmm. different streamers that are out there, like Layla Porter, like all these people building stuff, oh. there's amazing ecosystem. I so there are those things out there. Right. But the other problem with that is you also need to give the awareness of that content, right? You think about it, all of this content can exist, right? If you go to dot, dot net slash videos, there are hundreds of videos in the beginner series to learn C-sharp, to learn.net, to learn ASP.net, to learn all these things. And they have millions upon millions of views. I know because I track them as a metric in my dashboard, right? I can see them on YouTube. They're all public data. But is, is, is that good enough? How do we reach the other 5, 10, 20 million people, right? It's so hard. What about people that best with hands-on in classroom learning? How do we get into the colleges, right, to, to get in there? It's, it's such a hard, tricky problem because it never... There's always and something else, right? That you can be doing to reach more people. And I hope that my team is is doing that and 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 teams at Microsoft are doing that to help people reach in. But I am generally curious what other people think too. And Frank, you have a comment. Yeah. I the the live streaming. I'm just upset with myself for not mentioning the live streaming because oh my goodness, the opportunity people have to learn these days is just rid ridiculous. If us someone comes into my chat room and asks a basic programming question, I love to just stop what I'm doing, get out a blank text editor and be like, let's work on this problem because I love 
working on beginner problems. It's my chance to explain things the way I think they should be explained, not the way perhaps the teacher explained it and things like that. So I think those are fantastic resources. Where they fall down is you're uh, only doing so well as your audience size at the time. And so I've always thought YouTube is a much better platform because anyone can watch a video at any point in time and they can mm -hmm. come to it whenever they want. And so I'm just a little remiss to myself that I should be doing a little bit better to make sure that um, things get posted like that. Uh, rambling thoughts. Just, uh, gosh, aren't, aren't, aren't people lucky with Twitch now? <laughs> Twitch, and YouTube. YouTube, I mean, it's, it's, it's ginormous. You know, to the point that um, Katie on my team recently worked with Channel 9 and our YouTube team to republish Bob Tabor's C-sharp eight-hour curriculum that was an mm -hmm. MVA, a Microsoft Virtual Academy that was like old, right? I think he was using Visual Studio 2015, but all of that stuff, right, to get them in is good. But again, if that's not how you learn, then what's the next step to get that in front of it, right? Right, but we have to take advantage of the wonderful tool that we have at our disposal, which is mm -hmm. the internet. I agree yeah. with you, in-classroom is great, that's good stuff, but this is the internet. Everyone's got the internet at this point if they want to program, so. It is our first place, and we have to make sure we're doing a good job there. And I just want to pitch this, James. You and I reacting to old Microsoft Learn videos. We just sit there, and we react. We watch them. We can do that. We give our feedback, and it'll be a great YouTube channel. <laughs> I'd love that. Uh, Mike in the chat says uh, he's a big fan of watching others program, how they think, what tools they use, and how they debug. I think how they debug is the thing that I always loved about presenting. and. Uh, live streaming is that things do go wrong, right? Not everything is shiny and perfect. And when they do go wrong, how do you dive through that? But the problem with that is how do you not lose people, right? Oh, <laughs> at the I same know. time. I feel so, so bad. Yeah. I'll, I'll just look straight at camera and be like, look, this could be a half hour of misery here. Like strap in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, David asked, great question. Is, I've never used Twitch. Is it good for programmers live coding? Yeah, there's a whole, there's a whole live coders. Um, initiative uh, what, what is i don't even know the url the live coders the live coders okay the live coders twitch.tv slash the live coders there's a whole bunch of them there's a whole website there's tons of streamers out there all the time go check them out um pretty much in general four seven there's always mm -hmm. someone and i recommend finding four or five people that you like and then whenever you're in the mood for it someone's probably streaming livecoders.dev, or that's what it is, livecoders.dev. There's a bunch of people uh, on there and also on YouTube. Um, yeah, the the you know people that are, in my mind on YouTube, like Nick uh, Chappas, I'm going to probably say Nick's names wrong. I apologize, Nick. But Tim Corey as well. Um, those are like the two big names, I would say, beyond you know things that we do on the .NET YouTube itself, right? Mm -hmm. Again, it depends how you, you engage. The nice thing about the live coders is they do all sorts of different topics. I do think that the new medium of learning with video is super engaging because there is different types of levels of content, right? There is that I want to learn, you know, that I'm just getting started versus, hey, I've been now doing mobile development for six months and I need this deeper thing, walk mm -hmm. me through it. The only problem we have with on-demand content is things change so fast, <laughs> so. Well, especially in the native app development world, it's just a constant rat race, and and mm -hmm. you don't want to, you don't want to scare people off 
but there is a little bit of like fortitude they have to build up to yeah. uh, a, a little bit of misery ahead. Yeah. Gotta got be ready for that. All right, Frank Krieger, we got a bunch of people in the chat asking about this. We got Steven. Hi, everyone. Everybody. That's the name of someone's name is hi, everyone. Um, asking about Donna Maui over there, kind of giving some insight. So a lot of people done in Maui, the next evolution of Xamarin forms. A lot of people are interested in Comet, which is an MBU style thing. You know, it's ready to go RC any day. GA still Q2, which is, I guess we're in Q2 now. I don't know, it's spring now, so they're there. But wanted to get your thoughts on when you're making the jump, where you're at, when are you updating your libraries, and then I'll give you my insight as well. Uh, me personally, I'm going to go first then. Yeah, um, go for it. As soon as I can get apps over to that platform, I'm moving them. Um, I've already done it to a couple of my apps. I already have .NET 6 versions of my apps. And honestly, uh, they've converted over pretty smoothly. And Float, never going to forgive it. Um, <laughs> uh, so Maui, you know, I'm just going to remove the Xamarin Forms references and add Maui. That's not true. I mean, we're all going to have to create new projects. The projects, the project files have changed enough that we're all going to have to create new projects. And so I'm just going to do that. And most of it's going to translate over and I'm not too worried. I got to be honest when it comes to Xamarin Forms, I use labels, buttons, stacks. I don't even really use grid, you know, so I'm really not worried about my XAML translating or anything like that. And so uh, I do have a lot of native code, though. Mm -hmm. So the native code uh, is going over just fine. And I like that. And I'm happy with that. I do want hot reload for my Mac Catalyst apps. I, I'm going to work a little hard on that. For my cross-platform stuff, um, it's hard for me to say, but is I'm just hoping in my process of creating .NET 6 projects for everything that Maui will be kind of trivial to add to everything. Yeah, I like your approach here, which is what I'm going to do in all of my projects. There is going to be a tool, like an upgrade assistant tool. But how I think I can merge, I think that'll be really easy if you're not using Xamarin Forms, you're just using an iOS or Android project. Like it's basically a change of the CS project and go minus Enflow. Mm -hmm. But uh, regardless of that, you, the thing I might do is I might just add a new .MAUI project and then drag and drop files over because yeah. in general, you know, or maybe run the try convert tool on that and do a bunch of stuff in there. And it's going to depend on your size of your application as well and how you want them to look and feel. So Kyle was asking about the controls, like they're still native UI. So they're going to be different esque on platform, unless you're styling them, you can sell the button to look exactly the same. That being said, though, I think what's cool as I've watched down Maui evolve is that it's much more than people think, which is just, oh, here's a new namespace. Here's some new stuff in Xamarin forms. In fact, it's not like from the tooling itself with the single project running on .NET 6. So the cross-platform images and fonts and raw assets and the SVG support that's built in and the cross-platform version numbers in a CS proj and, and naming and, and this all this stuff and how you can use the built-in dependency service and, and everything just trickles through the system and putting in platform code is so much easier to other things. Like, for example, you know, I was talking with Shane today as I'm making this workshop that I'm about to publish is... Uh, things like they've they've rethought about the navigation stack all up. So if you're using shell, you can pass objects. Now on a page, there's more than on appearing on disappearing. There's navigating to, navigating from, navigated to. So there's different lifecycle events 
there's a windowing system. There's multi-windowing support. There's all these things um, in there. So you kind of get to decide. So I'm very excited about that. In, in fact, yeah. the tooling too, while it's mostly Windows right now, it, it'll come. Um, PNK was asking about Mac. It'll come to Visual Studio for Mac at some point. Um, but I think the other thing, like, and Steven is talking here, is like, not only are things like Essentials built in, but there's this amazing thing called source generators in .NET 5 and now .NET 6. And I'm blown away by JSON source generators and also these MVVM source generators. And like, I just want to start living in this .NET 6, .NET 7, in this new modern world. Like, I think I didn't, to me, Frank, I don't think I really missed a lot of what was happening in the early .NET Core days with Xamarin because it kind of always kept up and I could flip on the language flags. But to me as a, as a Xamarin developer and .NET MAUI developer, like thing that I'm excited about is like, we're just always going to ship in the box. Like it's always going to be there when we get new language features, get new things in the runtime. It's all just going to kind of work. I think that's why we're all just kind of desperate for the release. We want that proof. Like it's not in yeah. the box until it's not. It's just kind of vapor until it's in yeah. the box. <laughs> you got to get the vapor in the box, put it in the box and put the box on my desk. And I think that's um, that that's where I'm at. So I'm mentally prepared myself for all the Enfloat changes I'm going to have to make because I already ran the experiment. I think we even talked about it on the podcast where um, I started a new app from scratch and I ported an app over to Net6. And both I was able to do in a day. You know, it, it's really not that big of a deal. And so it is that larger ecosystem. Like I, I joke that half of Maui is in the MS build targets files. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> the UI layer is actually pretty small, but man, you got to deal with images in really funny ways on Android and, you know, do, deal with all that kind of stuff. I'm excited. Like even when I'm doing iOS stuff, I'm probably going to take advantage of those sophisticated builds tools to do like SVG stuff and all that. Mm -hmm. And so I'm excited for that to come in. And my previous comments were about converting an app. Mm. Of course, I want to take advantage of all this stuff. All I want is hot reload. I'm going to change whatever it takes on my side to get hot reload working because that's the way I want to write apps. That's the way I've always wanted to write apps. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, um, some good comments, too, from Banu has like 100 plus views and yeah. pages Oof. and custom controls. Here's my strategy is that with Don and Maui, pretty much almost everything is going to be there that was in Xamarin Forms. And all the control vendors are all moving along and all the libraries are moving along. You're going to have like a year plus to move. I'm going to keep rocking my Xamarin Forms apps for a bit, right? Because oh, yeah. like if, if it's if it's working and it's there, it's good to go. I need to wait for the ecosystem, the Bluetooth stuff, just make sure everything is working. I'm going to do trial runs. Maybe some like my skiing app will upgrade way easier because my libraries that I use, you can tell when I'm getting ready because my libraries start to support the new stuff. <laughs> you know, like, like all my libraries have recently added .NET 6 support and .NET MAUI support. That's weird. I wonder yeah. if I'm getting ready to start using .NET MAUI. And the answer is yes. Um, but obviously all new projects. At this point now today, being so close to RC, I'm probably going to start going that route. Yeah. And and for those giant projects, you, you keep mentioning this hypothetical converter thing, but I would do that one by hand. Yeah. Um, I would file a new project, see what a blank project looks like, and just change my project. Project files really aren't that bad uh, once you get in there. And if it's something huge, like 100 views, you probably just want to do that in a text editor very carefully. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited excited and hesitant and excited i 
I, I was actually surprised to hear you say that you would wait a year. But um, the thing that gave me the most confidence was when I converted continuous because continuous references, because it didn't have the ability to download nougats, it referenced a billion nougats mm. and more and more and more. And so when I converted that thing to .NET 6, that was kind of my worst case scenario. This thing referenced everything. It pokes around in the internals. Mm. It does all sorts of nasty stuff. Yeah. And I was able to get that onto .NET 6. So I feel like if I'm able to get that thing onto .NET 6, <laughs> I'm going to all my normal apps that just, you know, draw some pictures and talk to the web, they're going to be fine. That's yeah. An issue. And I want to correct you because I'm not going to be waiting a year to migrate okay. my applications. <laughs> what I said is some of the apps I'm going to rock until I can't rock it anymore because I, I build all my apps in my spare time, Frank. I only got so right. much time. I think I'm actually going to start with my stream timer because I want my Mac app to look way better because yeah. it's really gross right now. And it's, and Mac is never officially supported. So that's going to be a huge win. <laughs> um, and also to use WinUI 3. So to me, that'll be super easy to move over. I think the UI will look way t tons better. Where, you know, apps like, um, like my cadence and the skiing app, they're probably fine for a bit until iOS or Android change some rule and regulation. But I do think that those will be the ones where I'm like, hey, as soon as the Bluetooth thing and as soon as this chart and graph thing is up, updated and good to go, mm -hmm. I'm in, right? But I'm trying to diagnose my apps and say, okay, what is the dependency chain? Yeah. When are those things going to update? I'm good to go and, and I'm ready ready to roll. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to like learn and do new projects in Maui, right? Which I've obviously mm -hmm. been doing already. So it's kind of my recommended advice as it goes there. So, But like anything, you also have to move with with it and i think in this case moving to donet 6 moving to the new tooling moving to this if it takes a little bit of work and effort now based on your app it might take a little bit more i think the productivity gains and the things that the engineering team is doing with trimming and all this other stuff is mind-boggling like literally we have engineers that are looking at this podcast app that we built and they're like why is this app so big and they're like oh we're using monkey cash oh what's monkey cash mm -hmm. using i say oh JSON.net. Oh, why don't we use uh -huh. this other thing? Oh, why don't we use source generators? They literally converted, but they're like, we're gonna, we're gonna make everything better. So like, like there's amazing work going into this thing. Uh, I'm just, I'm just excited about it in general. All right, Frank, any last comments on Nana Maui stuff? We talked for that. Or we went past our five minutes. I don't know if you know. Uh, you didn't put the timer up. I blame you. I know. No, I, I mean, we can't, we're at preview 14. We'll, we'll check back at preview 34. <laughs> Well, you know, RC is supposed to be in like, you know, April. So people keep saying that. Yeah, we'll and, see. Yeah. Well, you can follow me on YouTube, youtube.com slash change. And then you'll see the updates as well. Shameless make it plug. big in the thumbnail. As long as it's giant and then I'm good. Yeah. Okay. I'll let you know. <laughs> RC one through 25. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Stop it. <laughs> all right. We got one more video. It's a short one. 22 seconds. It's. Okay. It fits into a YouTube short. So let me go ahead and share this. This is from John, who might be in there. This is just, it just says high merge complex. I don't know what he's about to say. So let me go ahead and share this tab. I'm a gambler. Sounds good. There you are. Uh, okay. Not the email. This one here. Okay, here we go. Boom. Okay, here we go. Hi, Frank and James. I found you guys from .NET Rocks. I think James was on there. Um, anyway, I started listening to Merge Conflict. Liked it. Uh, went back and binge watched or binge listened the whole catalog 
and here we are. So congrats on episode 300. That's an amazing accomplishment. Please keep up the good work. Look forward to listening to you guys every week. Awesome. Thank you so much, See, John. My favorite. No, that, I'm not going to pick clips, not how to do. That was my favorite clip. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. We've both been on Donnet Rocks as well. You were on Donnet Rocks for something recently, weren't you? I finally got onto .NET Rocks. That's right. I think it was way back in the Wii days. Was it mm -hmm. Wii? Yeah, that was exciting. Um, I was uh, I, that's why I was, I was hoping he he found this show through me. But you know, I'll, I'll give you props for that. But that was a big deal for me. I'd always wanted to be on that show. Yeah, it's cool. I I, I uh, I'm always I love to talk, Frank. So I love being on mm. podcasts. I love doing stuff. Mm. So, um. Yeah, I was glad to see. I'm glad when I see friends, you know, up on different podcasts. You know, we've had lots of people that have written in. Good night, mom. See ya. <laughs> Good night. Um, uh, in the in the chat. Um, you know, I think the the thing that we've talked a lot about is like, you know, do we do a guest show? Like, do we manage? Do we schedule? Do we do things right? Like a like a Donna Rocks or a Cancel mm -hmm. Minutes or something like that. And I don't know how you feel. It's been 300 episodes. If you want to change course 100, oh, percent Frank, at this oof. point, it's totally up to you. But I don't know. I'll let people in on a little secret about how this podcast comes together. Uh oh, it took 300 episodes. Here we are. So He's Frank, tell the truth. Frank has a calendar invite that I put out that's on Tuesday nights at five o'clock, and it says time to record a podcast. Hmm. He gets a notification. I get a notification. We hop on ZenCaster, and I hit record for our Patreons. Ten minute recording, and then. We're just like, what are we going to talk about tonight? And it's like, what are you working on? What are you working on? Guess we're talking about that. Like, I think we we each show I'm, up and after 300 episodes, we all we have no idea what we've talked about in the 300 episodes, to be honest with you. So literally, it's like, whatever, it doesn't even matter at this point. But we always have things that are way top of mind that somehow become great topics. We used to do spreadsheets and we have topics and we used to be like, oh, we're going to talk about this. Nope, nope. I think, Frank, after 300 episodes, I think we found our flow. That we just get each other. I, I still like to look back at the topic sheet. Yeah, it, it's it's fun to see optimistic goals, all the things I wanted to talk about. But James said, oh, no, oh, no, we are not going to talk about that. It, it works. It works. I, I, I feel like you're not giving the listeners enough credit. I'm pretty sure they can tell that we're just talking about the things that we're thinking about that day. Mm. <laughs> I think it's a little bit obvious, um, but that's exactly what programmers do. Anytime you and I hang out in real life and someone is around that's not a programmer, they're going to get really bored because literally every one of our conversations turns into talking about programming. And so although I might get, I like the idea of having a topic and being focused on something just so that there's some theme to the episode, I have absolutely no doubt that you and I can talk about programming for 30 minutes. It's, it's not even the smallest doubt about that in my mind. Well, you and I met because literally we were talking about settings, you know, and <laughs> storing persistent state and databases. So yeah, I think we can go. Guess what I was working on today. I was working on a setting screen, where to store it. How should I store it? I was thinking, what, what did James tell me about settings? What, what, what should I be doing here? <laughs> it's because there... you just can't write an app without a settings form. And Someday I'm going to release an app without a gear icon and without a form with a bunch of obnoxious options in it. You know, I mean, the dream back in the day when Apple started was that there is a way 
to integrate your NS user defaults into the default settings application. So your app is it? Nobody uses it. Hardly, maybe I don't even know I, if Apple uses it. it. It was so much fun to learn. I thought this is great. Everyone's mm-hmm. putting their settings into one place. But you know what happened? That list just got too big. No one's going to go in there. That app is just ridiculous. No one scrolls that far in the settings app. Uh, lots of apps do it. I did it for all my early apps. I thought it was a very clever way to do settings. And Apple used to say in the HIG, don't make a settings UI. True. Use this thing. What are you going to do? Times change. Now uh, now you got to put gear icons everywhere. That's true. That's true. I know. And and I and, and even uh, one thing that I think is missing from the settings screen, we'll, then we'll get on to another topic here uh, to kind of round it out. I think this will be a good one to close on. Um, or we can keep going too, but the, I think the thing with the settings screen, and maybe you'll create this, and I'm hoping to do this with Donna Mauer, maybe we can get an open source project, is we need some like source generator setting screen type of thing. Like give me a Boolean, give me a, a text field, give me the stuff to in groups to make a really beautiful thing. Monotouch.dialog used to do this. Here, here's, what, here's what it's going to do. It's going to look through all the metadata in your app, find every global variable, every static variable, and just put that into a UI. And so there you, you go. go through and change any variable that you want. Like magic. Um, all right. So to end it out, I think that this is a good one. This was from our Discord, which... I now have Discord installed on my phone, which means I look at it. And I've also decluttered the pay- the Discord. Anyone can join. If you're a Patreon subscriber, you get cool badges, just saying. And you get exclusive podcast episodes. Patreon.com slash Merge Conflict Um, This is from our Lightning Top Topics, which was from, who is it? Samir. Love Samir. Him and I work on, uh, he contributes actively to the store plugin. He says, what is it liking, what? What's it like working with or having worked with Miguel de Acaza? Ding, ding the bell. Ding, ding. Awesome. What's his personality like? Have you ever ha, have you ever invited him to speak on the podcast before, which we have? Hmm. Um, I want to say working with Miguel or other people, some other visionaries in the space. We've worked with amazing people over the years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I love Miguel. Hi, Miguel. Um, but I haven't had too many opportunities to like work one-on-one with mm. Miguel, so I can't make too many comments. But I will say this. He is full of energy, everyone. <laughs> He's got the energy, okay? And if you say something like, I have this random app idea, he'll be like, hmm, let's work on that. And we'll sit down and we'll open computers and we'll actually work on it because I like to hypothesize about things. Miguel likes to do things. He's a doer. He likes to get things done. He likes to start them. And so I would say the most fun part about being around Miguel is just that energy, that that passion for technology, but also the willingness to do the nasty, dirty work to get the thing done <laughs> and, instead of like just talking about it. Anytime I'm lost in 500 errors or something about that, I just kind of think about, well, if I was sitting in a hall and I saw Miguel, I would work through those 500 errors so I could show Miguel and so that we could talk about it and do that all stuff. So uh, not working with him, but he's still definitely an inspiration. Yeah, I sort of working at Xamarin had this holy, you know, trinity of, of three amazing co-founders that I all got to work really close with. Joseph Hill was my manager and um, he um, was co-founder of the company along with Miguel and Nat, right? Uh, 
me coming down to San Francisco, being on the West Coast, um, I got to hang out with a lot of the documentation team, some engineering team, uh, and sales team, and then as Nat as well. But then when I would go to Boston office, that's where Joseph and Miguel were at. So I got those great mm-hmm. things. You know, I think from a, I'll start with the, uh, every interaction I ever have with Joseph is amazing because he's my boss for so many years. But the great Nat interaction was I remember late night, we were there after hours and everyone else kind of trickled away. And when I'm down there, there's, you know, it's kind of, it was in the financial-esque district. So it kind of wasn't like popping or anything like that. And I'm not really a partier, but now I would be hanging out, maybe a few other people. Right. And I remember one day the Xamarin phone rang, just like the phone rang and it was someone calling in for support. And Nat, Nat, call, Nat answers the phone and he goes, uh, um, thank you for calling Xamarin. Nat here, how may I help you? <laughs> and he literally like diagnosed this individual's problem. I don't know if it was with, with actual code or if it was in the sales system or what it was, (laughs) but he sat there and he was just like, just so like such an authentic, amazing individual. And I think that that really, you know, was true for all of the, almost everyone I ever, everyone I've worked with at Xamarin, but especially, you know, Joseph, Nat and Miguel, like all three of them really unique, amazing people. And I've told the story about, you know, going out to dinner with Miguel, which I've done a few times, but being in Redmond and out with you hanging out with some friends and Miguel came over. I was like, Hey, how's it going? Like, Hey, you guys want to go catch dinner? And he's just inviting random people out. <laughs> and I remember, uh, miles was like, Oh my God, like that's Miguel. De like, I'm like, I'm like, it's just Miguel. Like, I don't know. Just, you know, I mean, he sure he had a cameo in a movie, um, and you know, antitrust at one point. Um, I think it was like a clip of him or something like that. But I'm like, you know, besides that, it's Miguel, it's Miguel being Miguel. Miguel is just a soul, a very everyone's just very wholesome people. But I think you're right. You know, if you go to Miguel's GitHub, it is a catacomb of things that I could I could never fathom putting together a gooey cs we talked about it with him a garden of some Mm. plants grow slowly some grow (laughs) more quickly it is not a catacomb of death it is a garden (laughs) at least i'm trying to defend my github repository here's frank (laughs) also correcting me on i don't understand words so i appreciate yes it's a beautiful garden (laughs) that some things are are nicely trimmed and hedged and other things are just sprouting (laughs) They've just been planted. They're just little, little, sometimes they're just a, a readme file. And that's all you need. It's just a repo name. <laughs> that's the best project how they start. No, I, I, I've loved every single person I work with. I will get to work with amazing people at Microsoft, amazing people at Xamarin. I worked with amazing people at Canon. I work with amazing people on this podcast. All right. The whole world's amazing. We get it, James. I don't know. People are amazing <laughs> and they never, you know, you, Frank, have put up with oh, me geez. for three Hundred episodes, Frank. Hundreds of hours of your life wasted with me, and I love you. I don't do it for you. I do it for the listeners. Hi, oh, everyone. My goodness, I do it for the people. That's right. For the users. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh, you know, there, there's one more thing I like about Miguel. I mean, his cameo. You, you said you can't ever say just Miguel. By the way, it's it's not allowed. Or any of those kinds of things. Well, I, I like that he keeps up with technology. He's into neural networks now. You know, I'm into mm-hmm. neural networks. He's into terminals. I'm into terminals. You know, 
it just creates these weird things. I've always wanted to create a Q basic app based on his work and I just haven't done it. And I think every day I'd be so excited to show a new Q basic to Miguel just to impress him, that kind of yeah. thing. It's true. I, I have, I appreciate that aspect of, of Miguel as well. I think when he was pushing a lot of things forward and continues to push a lot of things forward, it's in these really cool, interesting spaces. And I like his well, uh, views on NFTs. <laughs> and and not to be like uh, too specific, but what I, he's very focused on users and mm. supporting people that are already there and adding polish to products. I think that that's, it, it, it's, it's a, it's something that can go lacking in companies very easily. And it's always good to have someone there, uh, very Tron style fighting for the users. And that was something that's always good at. Yeah. Yes. All right, Frank, I think that's going to do it for episode 300. How do you feel about that? Well, you did compliment me. So now I have to give my one compliment to you that I always struggle to find on these hundred episode number. James, you're looking fantastic. Your hair is just amazing lately. I wish mine was so voluminous and all of that. And you really are doing fantastic work on YouTube. 300 episodes. I didn't think we'd make it past 100. I'm looking forward to episode 600 when all we do is talk about lawn care or something like that. <laughs> That's my life. I was really talking to a friend and there were there were there there's something like that, all these you know, plants and all these other things. I'm like, I can I can barely make my grass stay alive outside. Let me just be honest. And I have irrigation systems and everything, all this stuff. I want to thank everybody for hanging out in the live stream, in the chat, um, putting in questions, people that send in videos, super appreciate it. I appreciate every single one of you that listened for all of these years, or if this is your first podcast, what a doozy for you. They're usually not this oh long, <laughs> unless sometimes they are this long. We're back. Every single week, mergeconflict.fm. You can find us there. You can find us in your podcast app. It's a great name because Frank came up with it. And we will continue to merge and conflict all together. But that is going to do it for episode 300. So until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Kruger. Thanks for listening. Peace. Boom, we added a podcast. All right. Woo, 2 a.m. 2 a.m. Um, thanks, everyone, strong. for hanging out. Appreciate it. You're oh all amazing. Sorry we didn't get to everyone's comments. It's a little hard to mix it all into the show and all that. But that See was you, really fun. I really appreciate the chat room. I think it was great. I think we got some some good ones mixing it in. Let us know. I think I'm super interested in like, you know, how do we think the podcast is progressing? You know, things that we can do better. We're always open to suggestions. So if you write into the show, we'd always love that. And thanks everyone for hanging out. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I we did this uh what we did this like a year ago um i'm mm -hmm. totally i'm totally down for uh doing it more yeah maybe once a year <laughs> we'll do it we'll, we'll do it maybe every 50 episodes we'll see how it goes yeah. all right frank i gotta go run i gotta go figure out oh. some some stuff but thanks everyone thank you frank i appreciate you thank you james uh hopefully you'll still be around for 301 hopefully i didn't scare you off i'll be around i'll be around i just <laughs> can't record it next tuesday but next okay <laughs> saturday or sunday well I'll, I'll let you know i'll let you I'll be a little delayed all right thanks everyone have a good night thanks, see everyone. you frank bye. good night bye-bye